why are you here today? Now, I would like to believe that you're here for the preaching. Now, I know Robert in the choir or Amy in the praise band, well, they'd like to believe that you're here for the music. Well, we've all been around long enough, at least I have, to know, well, neither may necessarily be the case. So, if you're here in person, or if you've been here in person before, I know there's always at least one man who's in attendance just because his wife made him come. I mean, let's be real. She went with him to a ball game last week, so hey, it's only fair. And when we're in person, there's always a young man here and maybe a young lady hoping against hope that he or she is going to meet that very special someone. A few of you come to church to consummate business deals with other church members, nothing wrong with that. Or catch up on your friendships, especially now when you haven't seen people for a long time, these friendships that you've forged over many years. There's lots of reasons to be in church. And yet, I'm going to encourage you today, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I am going to encourage you to quit going to church. (laughs) I've gone to church most of my life, and I actually love going to church. Now, you might say, since I've been a pastor for the last 33 years, but hey, who's counting, (laughs) that I pretty much have to go to church. But the truth of the matter is that I quit going to church during the pandemic. And the reason that I don't go to church anymore is that I discovered, or really rediscovered, that I am the church. Now, I don't mean that in an arrogant kind of way, as in, I'm the pastor, so I am the church. No, I'm the church because I am a follower of Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, so are you. You are the church. And that means that you can stop going to church as well. Over these next six weeks, I'll be sharing with you some of the reasons that I don't go to church anymore. And then we'll journey onward to flesh out a, well, a more accurate definition of the church as God intended it to be. You see, it was never God's intention for you to just go to church. He's always wanted you to be the church. So let's begin with this. Church isn't a place to go. It's anywhere you are. Now, the word for church in the Bible is ecclesia, and it's better described as a gathering of people than as the place where people gather. You see, the emphasis is on the people, not the place. God's kingdom cannot be confined geographically or contained physically. It's what happens in the hearts of people that counts. And then it's what happens with their feet. So, it's hearing a message last week about how God has befriended us through his son Jesus, who gave his life for us, and then taking God's love to heart and being a friend to another person in need. It's taking God's message to heart about helping the least of these, and then actually, well, helping the least of these, those who are in need. For example, those that took prayer shawls to the home of the sparrow or fellowship house. That is what Paul writes about when he says how beautiful are the feet of the messengers 
who bring good news. In other words, how beautiful are your feet when you bring the good news of Jesus to others? Now, it's not that places are unimportant. God has always had a place for his people. For example, the earth, the garden, the promised land for Israel, the place Jesus prepares for us so that we can be with him in John 14, verse 2. But what makes those places the church or the kingdom of God is who is there and not where the place is. You see, heaven is going to be great not because it's somewhere up there or even because we'll be perfect, though I have to say I am looking forward to a little perfection. (laughs) Heaven is great because Jesus is there. Heaven is great because my dad is there and Peter, and John, and Moses, and Abraham, and all God's people who have gone before. So don't you see, it's not so much that Jesus is preparing a place for us as it is that he wants us to be with him wherever he is. And isn't that what turned our first parents' paradise into problems? When they no longer were living in God's presence, they began living in a very different place, if for no other reason than that God wasn't there. Now I know the church on earth is far from being heaven. Somebody at home want to give me an amen? But let's learn to define church as anywhere we are with God's presence in us, rather than somewhere we go hoping that he might show up. Church isn't a place you go. It's anywhere you are. Secondly, church isn't something you go to, it's something you give to. Now, I probably don't need to mention that we live in a culture saturated with consumers. After all, we need to purchase clothes to wear, houses to live in, cars to drive, food to eat, yada, yada. There are many times when being a consumer is right and totally necessary. But hey, going to church is not one of those times. But honestly, a lot of people do go to church for what they get from it, more as a consumer than a contributor. Now, okay, before you jump all over me, I realize that people can and do go to church to get help and guidance and inspiration. I'm certainly not saying at all that that is a bad thing. But when you see the church only as something to go to rather than something you are, then it's easy to see it, well, as more of a commodity than an identity. Church is about being served by God. That's why we call worship the divine service, because God first serves us in his word and sacraments. But it's also sharing your life in service to God and others at worship and during the rest of the week. You know, I once heard leadership guru John Maxwell say that this kind of a church is like a professional football game where 60,000 people in desperate need of exercise are in the stands observing 22 men in desperate need of rest on the field. It is very difficult in a what's-in-it-for-me culture to move people beyond 
going to church services to participating in the church serving. The Western church is particularly prone to this line of thinking. So we go to church expecting good re- a good return on our investment, a good ROI. And so we want the, church, the worship to be uplifting. We want the environment to be comfortable. We want the time to be convenient. We want the teaching to be inspiring. We want the vibe to be otherworldly. After all, we put our offering in the basket, well, maybe, <laughs> and we feel like we deserve to get what we paid for. I know, I know that sounds pretty crass. But how far from the truth really is this in the hearts and minds of many of our churchgoers? Did you notice how many times I used the phrase, we want? (laughs) What a blessing it is to discover at some point that to be the church means living our lives the way Jesus lived his life. And if I could describe the life of Jesus in just one way, it would be that he was a giver. For all the things the incarnate Son of God could have demanded of his created kingdom, worship, acclaim, applause, recognition, being served, he lived the mantra he voiced. It is more blessed to give than to receive. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So church is not something to go to. It's something to give to. It's something that you are. And finally, well, it's a family that you belong to. If the church is to reflect God's original template for his kingdom, then it must primarily pertain to relationships. And the primary identity of the Christian is that he or she is a child of God. I mean, when we talk about our human families, we don't say, I go to son, or I go to daughter. We are sons of God. We're daughters of God. And as fellow believers, we're brothers and sisters. And although this group relates more to the mission of the church than her identity, even people who are far from God are children. They're just lost children who need to find their way back home. Being a part of a family is something you are. So when you say you are the church, rather than saying you go to church, you're also indicating that you're part of something bigger than just yourselves. Being made in the image of God also means that you were created for community. So while it's true enough to embrace the idea, I am the church, it's equally accurate when speaking of the entire family of God, to say we are the church. And so we're a family, a family that's for everyone. We're a family where, well, yeah, some people are married and, well, some are not. We're a family where some used to be married and some may never get married. We're a family where some have no children, some have a lot of children, some have one parent, and some have several parents. That's the beautiful thing about being the church. We become family for those who have no families, or they have really broken ones, 
In fact, our family in Christ often becomes more of a source of love and support than our earthly families were ever capable of. So again, church isn't something you go to. It's a family you belong to. I want to close now with a story, and it, it's a little bit long, so just be ready for that. It's a story that I heard from one of my favorite preachers. His name is Fred Craddock. He was a pastor at a Disciples of Christ Church in Tennessee, but we listened to his recordings at the seminary, and I just loved his stories. And one of them came from the early years of his ministry when he was in Oklahoma, a little town called Custer City, the town of about 450 souls. Now, as he tells it, there were four churches there, a Methodist church, a Baptist church, a Nazarene church, and a Christian church where Fred served. Now, each one had its share of the population on, well, not just Sunday mornings, but they also had Wednesday night services and Sunday evenings as well. And each one had a small collection of young people, and the attendance rose and fell according to the weather and weather it was time to harvest the wheat. But the most consistent attendance in town was not in the churches. It was at the little cafe where all the pickup trucks were parked and all the men were inside discussing the weather and the cattle and the wheat. But the most consistent attendance in town was at the little cafe where all the pickup trucks were parked and all the men were inside discussing the weather and the cattle and the wheat and the hail and the wind, then, well, is there going to be a crop or not? Now, all their wives and sons and daughters were in one of those four churches. And the churches had, well, sometimes good attendance, sometimes poor attendance. But the cafe always had good attendance, far better attendance than some of those churches. And they were always there. And, and not bad men, but good men. Family men, hard-working men. Fred says the patron saint of the group that met at the cafe, his name was Frank. And Frank was, well, he was about 77 when they first met. He was a good, strong man, really a pioneer, a rancher, a farmer, and a prospering cattleman, too. He had been born in a sod house. He had all the credentials, and all the men there at the cafe considered him to be their patron saint. Ha! They said, oh, Frank, he'll never go to church. Well, Fred says, I met Frank on the street one time, and he knew I was a preacher. But it's never been my custom to accost people in the name of Jesus, so I was just shaking hands and visiting with him. But he took the offensive. He said, I work hard. I take care of my family, and I mind my own business. As far as I'm concerned, Everything else is fluff. You see what he told me? Leave me alone. I'm not a prospect for your church. And so Fred says, I didn't bother Frank. That's why the entire church and really the whole town were surprised. And the men at the cafe church were absolutely astounded when old Frank, 77 years old, presented himself before me one Sunday morning for baptism. So I baptized Frank. Now some of the talk in the community was, Frank must be sick. Guess he's scared to meet his maker. They say he's got heart trouble. 
going up there and being baptized? Well, I never thought old Frank would do that. But I guess, hey, when you get scared, all kinds of stories. Dr. Craddock goes on. He says, we were talking the next day after his baptism, and I said, Frank, you remember that little saying you used to give me so much? I work hard. I take care of my family. I mind my own business. He said, yeah, I remember. I said that a lot. I said, you still say that? He said, yeah. I said, then what's the difference? He said, I didn't know then what my business was. And so we come full circle. As we began this morning, I asked you why you were here. Why do you go to church? I hope it's because you know what your business is, that your priorities are straight. Or if they're not, you know they're not but you want them to be, and that's good. You've come to the right place. You see, that's the thing about church. It changes you, not because of the building. Church can be anywhere you are, even at home in your family room or your kitchen. No, you're changed by the one who built the church. And again, I'm not talking about the building. You're changed by the one who adopted you into his family. You're changed by the one who has made you a part of his body. You're changed by the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And then suddenly you see the world through new eyes, the eyes of Jesus. And you see needs and you want to fill them. You see hurts and you want to heal them. Church isn't a building you go to. You are the church, for now and always. Amen.